end of the time, nor the space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the intrepid Matt. Hello. So, today, we are talking... I love these episodes. I know this is only our second one, but we're doing a bit of classic Who. Mm -hmm. Special treat. This is where you really indulge me, I feel like. But it's good. I think it's it gives more context for the series. I think the more you watch the classic series, the more you can appreciate the modern series. Mm. Because the majority of people writing the modern series are steeped in the classics. Even if they don't make direct references a lot of the time, it's in their bones. Yeah, you can see the influence. Absolutely, yeah. So, last time we did a classic episode... I said, in one word, can you describe how you feel, what you thought? Mm, so, in okay. one word. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. The, the rest of this podcast is going to be really a jumble of, of words yeah. for me. But just to sum it up if, in one. If it was me, yeah, I'd say confusing. Oh, I would say intriguing. Okay. So, okay. Which is perhaps just a nice way of saying confusing. Confusing. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the the thought I had at the time yeah. is because it, it's made up of four. Have we said which episodes we're talking about? I don't know that we I have. I don't think we have. Two of the Cybermen. Uh, second Doctor story because we did first Doctor last time. We're going to do second, third. After each series, yeah. we're just going to move on a Doctor. And um, I picked two of the Cybermen because with Patrick Trout, unfortunately, a lot of his episodes are missing. It's slim pickings when it comes to four part stories. If we if you'd you'd been open to a sixth part, or I might have gone with uh, Seeds of Death, but what I thought, my thoughts with this, yep. what this reminded me of, is the Netflix Marvel series. Uh huh. In the sense that we had four twenty-five minute episodes. Yeah. That I think could have been distilled down to a fair forty minutes. Yeah. There's there's a lot of not much happening here. Welcome to Classic Who. And uh, do you know what? I'll, I'll go cards on the table. Yeah. I quite like Patrick Troughton. Oh, I'm I certainly so... liked him a lot more than the first Doctor. I'm so pleased. To I hear you I say thought that. he was like a high point, but I just felt the pacing is so slow. Oh yes. There's so many characters just thrown in. Yeah. That I never really knew who was talking to who. Yeah. Now that's fair. And, that's fair. You know. Everyone's off doing different things. There's about yeah. four different plot threads. Yeah, it's, it is. It is a bit of a jumble and and a slow jumble. Basically, I had to give it my full attention. Yeah, I started writing notes, and my own notes were beginning to confuse me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I make notes for every episode. Yeah. This time, I've had to go on Tardis Wikia, print the plot summary <laughs> that I'm going to be using in parallel with my own notes because. It really it gets confusing. Yeah, it at does. Times. It does, and I think a few things to bear in mind. One, it's not designed to be overthought. Mm. I mean, obviously, with with hindsight, these episodes they get overanalyzed, picked to yes, death, and no, because definitely. of the nature of the show and the fandom. But at the time, it was intended to be a bit of throwaway entertainment on a Saturday tea time. So I'll, I'll... One episode a week. And that's the other crucial thing. One episode a week. Obviously, the way we tend to watch TV nowadays, the option to watch the next episode straight away is there. We often go to do that. Mm -hmm. That's not really how Classic Who was designed I'll... to be watched. I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah. It wasn't until the third out of four episodes yeah. that I worked out they're not on Earth. Oh, right. Yeah. I... They, yeah, it never explained. So the I think first... they do mention it in the first episode, but again, you you like you if you miss the one line of dialogue, yeah, where they mention that they're on Telos, you're you're not going to hear it... references to Telos for the rest of the episode. Yeah. It, it took me that long to work it out. Yeah, yeah. So confusing. Yes, no. Fair, fair dues, fair dues. But I'm glad that it's not been a wholly miserable experience no 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 um, I not go that far so let's just get stuck into it shall right. we so the episode begins we've got the doctor I've yes. already said I quite like Patrick Trout uh -huh. I think he does a good job and Jamie yep Jamie in McCrimmon introducing Victoria to the TARDIS 
Yes. Okay. Talk to me about Jamie and Victoria because they weren't the companions last time no, we touched no. base. A lot, a lot has happened in the intervening because we are now on season five of the show. Okay. So, you know, a few years have passed and, uh, you know, companions have come and gone. <laughs> Jamie met the second Doctor quite early into his run. Um, he was a Highlander, son of a Piper. I'll be honest, I've not actually watched the uh, episodes where Jamie was introduced because um, they are, I think they are either partly or it's a fully missing story. And mm -hmm. I have, for the time being, skipped a lot of the missing episodes. I am intended to go back and listen to the audio and watch the reconstructions and things like that um, where available. But for now, I've tended to skip the mm -hmm. missing ones. So that's one that I've missed. And likewise, I've missed the, I haven't seen the episodes where Victoria was introduced, but her backstory is that she was a, uh, the daughter of a Victorian scientist who was meddling with time travel and got wrapped up in the Dalek plot. I, I think that gets mentioned It does get specifically on. referenced. And I did give you that little brief summary of yeah. backstory just so you wouldn't be completely lost because I failed to give you <laughs> any backstory for the fact that Susan uh, disappeared um, so in the last one to be watched. So, as yeah. a fan of old who, yeah. who do you prefer? If you had Jamie and Victoria or Ian and Barbara? Okay. Because I, yeah. I far preferred Jamie and Victoria. Did you? Okay, that's nice to hear. Like, I love Jamie. Like, Jamie and the Second Doctor are inseparable, basically. For after right. they, they, uh, Jamie stays with with Patrick Troughton for his entire run. Um, spoiler for the War Games leaves at the end of Patrick Troughton's run. That Jamie is. Patrick Troughton's defining companion. Right. Um, if if he's not going to be involved when we watch the third Doctor, he won't be. No. Okay. How how does he leave the Doctor? Um, it's kind of sad. I don't know whether I really want to tell you because one day I'd love to watch the War Games with okay. you if we okay. get that. Say no eventually. More. But um, but yeah, it, it, their relationship is I feel like the the backbone of. Uh, the second Doctor's era. I, I quite like the dynamic that the Doctor is reserved and calm. Yeah. And Jamie's basically like Scrappy Doo. He is. All, all he wants to do is basically fight everyone. Yeah. He never thinks about any implications of his actions. No, he no. is an adventurer. Well, that's because he's a young kid. I, I yeah. mean, obviously, the actor playing is a bit older than the, the character he's playing, as was often the case in, in TV at the time. Um, so he's a fairly young kid and he's come from an era where basically all men do is drink and fight and, 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 and prat about like there wasn't much else to do back then mm. um, and now he's off on these crazy adventures and all technology is basically goldygook magic I, to him I love the fact as well that just in case you're uncertain yeah. he's Scottish he wears a kilt throughout yeah to the point where Adorable. I think they're in an area where it's like sub freezing uh -huh. and they make they we'll get to it but they make a big point of talking about anoraks for like 20 minutes it's <laughs> pretty much the entirety like, of episode three it's like put your anorak on it's cold <laughs> he's just stood in a kilt and yeah. long socks that's because he's a Scottish you know yeah. he's hardcore um so yeah no i love jamie i love his relationship with the second doctor having said that i know you didn't click with ian and barbara straight away mm. i adore ian and barbara and i think if, for me i don't i think it would be hard to watch the first doctor's era if it wasn't for ian and barbara so maybe it was just because we saw their introduction yeah if I'd seen the episode where Jamie's introduced. Yeah. But the fact he's quite established, the relationship's yeah. pretty strong. Yeah. Similar way to how I felt about Rose. The more her relationship with the Doctor gets fleshed out, yeah. the better it is. Yeah, absolutely. Watch. It's 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 a lot of people's their experience of Classic Who is dipping in and out of specific stories. Mm. It was my first exposure to a lot of things, is watching them out of order. And it's a good way to do it in certain ways because it means you get to cherry pick the ones that have the most engaging stories the ones that have got good production values comparatively um, or just, you know, highlights for whatever reason. But you do miss something when you don't see 
the co- companions growing with the Doctor. And, and that has been one of the joys for me as I've gone back and started to watch through more of them sequentially, um, is actually getting a fuller sense of their relationships. So, right. anyway, yeah. Um, going to my head, probably in a Barbara, but I love me some Jamie. Yeah. Victoria, I can take or leave her. I think she gets better as the episode she's, goes on she's all right. but she's, she's also fairly nondescript yeah that yeah other than the fleeting passing comments about her father yeah. researching science that could be anyone yeah yeah she's not as much fun as vicky i think who you you saw yes. in the rescue yeah. um yeah. weird that we've got we've had vicky and now we've also got victoria yeah doesn't get confusing at all but anyway <laughs> right so we get that sort of introduction yeah and then we are on the planet telos mm-hmm which we are told is is the sort of the birthplace of the Cybermen. Yeah. That, that directly contradicts uh, the previous Cybermen, the first Cybermen story, the tenth planet, in which we are established that their planet of origin is um, Mondas. Right. Which is the twin planet of Earth. Which is accepted as canon. Both. Both. <laughs> yeah. They come from here. They come from there. Yeah. But ba- uh, basically. At this stage, because there have been so many conflicting origin stories, and these are not the other... I mean, you've seen a third yeah. origin story for the Cybermen. Um, my, the, the overarching headcanon, and one that I really love, and one of the reasons that I love the Cybermen so much, is that they are almost... They're like this inevitable consequence of leaving humans to their own devices for too long. Right. And that just, like... So Sooner it's or an later, yeah, a, a, hu- a human colonization will end up getting to the point where they start to upgrade their bodies to the point that they become some version of the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. Um, so on planet Talos, we have an archaeological team. Yes, they're looking for the tomb of the Cybermen. Yeah, and they they basically blow up the side of a cliff. Yes, and then they're dismayed that they haven't found the tomb. Yeah. Until one of the party says, oh, there it is. And it's fucking massive. <laughs> How did they not spot that? Yeah, I felt like they gave up very quickly, didn't yeah, they? They don't even wait for the dust to settle and yeah. go, oh, well, not there. And yeah, it's not even in the point that they were blowing up. <laughs> so how have they missed that? I don't know. I don't know. It's literally <laughs> the size of a cliff face. Yeah. Yeah. But... Uh... Yeah, so anyway, they're, they're on their way. And should we just quickly run through who we've got in the expedition party? Yeah. I mean, we'll do a better job of establishing these characters than the show itself does. Yes. But anyway, so we, the the expedition is being led by Professor Parry. Yeah. Who is your archetypal uh, man of learning, intrepid archaeologist. Yeah. You know, off for adventure. No money, so he's relying on the funding of... Miss Kaftan. Yes, and, um, yeah, who is basically this sort of... <sighs> Should we just elephant in the room? The the, the racial um, representation yeah. in these episodes is not great. No. So she has a black manservant called Toberman. Yes. Who speaks in, like, monosyllabic... Yeah. Deep tones. Yeah. And is inexplicably stronger than everyone else. He, he yeah. is quite a burly, muscular fella. Yeah. But by modern standards, it does not sit comfortably. No. And in addition to them, I, Kaftan and and Kleeg, her, her little... He's like her colleague, associate, associate, her business I, partner. I t- think possibly they in a relationship. It's unclear, isn't it? Yeah. As to whether it's like a... They're a definitely relationship or... closely linked. Yes. Thickest but anyway, things. and the, those two are both indeterminate, swarmy foreign types. Yeah. Yeah. And it in, reminds me of Indiana Jones. Yeah. In that all foreigners are yeah. like mysterious and yeah. evil. And certainly in the case of, of Shirley Cookland playing Captain, not, you know, she's not actually, she's a British actor and she's just sort of like slightly tanned up. Mm. Uh, and, and I think, I, I'm less clear, I haven't really read the, the, the wiki page for um, the, the actor playing Eric Kling, George Pastel, but I have a feeling he's maybe putting on an accent as well. Yeah. And it's not a good accent either. It's no. a tough one to listen yeah. to. It's very um, of its time, this episode. Yes, yeah. But to be fair to it as well, 
it is playing into it's effectively riffing on your classic the mummy uh, return of the mummy oh. um kind of classic horror when we've talked about changes from first doctor to second yes was there a noticeable dip in budget and production value because i think the rescue mm. holds up and looks so much better than this um i think there were some budgetary limitations in in series five i, I think they were starting to get a bit overstretched and i think it wasn't so much that the budget was decreased as it was the ambition of the scripts increased but the budget did not increase right. to match because given the choice of watching this yeah. or watching the rescue again i i thought even though i hated the first doctor the yeah. rescue was so much more cinematic yeah and but then if you compare what they're trying to do the rescue had basically one person in a silly costume and a tiny cramped space um mm. vessel and some caves those were the settings so it was quite limited it, it was quite a contained mm -hmm. couple of episodes whereas this we've got this big expansive tomb chamber in the side of a mountain we've got we've got this mixture of like old and new we've we've got um a whole bunch of cybermen that we need to make costumes for and, and, and a massive cast of characters in comparison to the rescue so there is i think it's more just the budget is being stretched further so you're starting to see the scenes a bit more i feel like right but for that i think it's got a certain b-movie charm to it it, it definitely is be it's 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 ropey it's wobbly but yeah i i love it uh, in spite of that we'll discuss that when we um, get there yeah um, so in addition in the party we've got a bunch of americans yeah so we've got hopper and hayden yeah who basically one has blonde hair one has black hair i couldn't tell you which one's which nah. and they basically crop up in every scene and either say that they are going back to the rocket or that everybody else should go back to the rocket. Yeah, that's pretty much the whole purpose. That's all they do. Every episode, yeah. they're just like, should we go back to the rocket? I'm going back to the rocket. Um, Everyone should go back to the rocket. Though there is that, they do get that, they do get to patronise Victoria at a couple of points as well. Yeah. But that's about it. It's not, they're not great characters. As well as, like, the racial undertone. There's sort of, like, sexism throughout. Yeah. They yeah. just totally degrade Victoria. Yeah. She it's, says, please don't call me yeah. Vic. And they're like, ah, yeah, Vic. Right. Yeah. It's basically, it is as though, presumably we are far in the future here because they've got spaceships and ray guns, but it feels as though... It's We're not very e much in the past. It's not even that then it's portraying 1960s values. It's more like 1920s, 1930s mm. values. And I think in some respects that is because it is consciously riffing on the sort of archaeological horror... Uh, films of that era so things like the old universal mummy films and stuff mm. like that so i think it's riffing on certain archetypes and as a result of that it just naturally falls into the trap of these kinds of old-fashioned values because yeah it's basically they are basically like a, a, an archaeological party from the 1920s who yeah. somehow ended up definitely in a rocket ship on an alien planet um right so the two parties merge and the Doctor, yes. Jamie, Victoria, meet the archaeological dig. There's some initial sort of hostility and suspicion. Is there? Is somebody dead and they're trying to work out who it is and they think it's the Doctor? Okay, no, no. So what happens is they try and open, they try and open the gates, uh, the, the, the doors, and That's the first right. person who tries gets electrocuted. electrocuted. Um, and then the Doctor's able to turn... The yeah, he turns it. Yeah, he 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 sort of jerry rigs it so that it can be opened, and then um, nobody can open it. Yes, so what you need is a big burly black yeah, guy. Yeah, uh, they have a little bit of fun with the fact that Jamie's like, "Oh, I can do this because I'm a big, strong, tough guy," and then it's just like he's. And I think the gag is he says, "Well, I haven't had any breakfast." Or something yeah. like that. It's quite cute. Uh, but, I love Jamie. But yeah, total men yeah. can open it. Yeah, and then this bit, they they go into a chamber. Yes. And I, I don't know whether it's Cleed or one of the other members yeah. sort of says, oh, it's just a chamber. There's no way out. There are two 
massive fucking doors <laughs> and some sort of hatch. <laughs> They're the only things in the room, apart from a control panel. Yeah. And the doctor's like, ha, I'm so clever. I know there's a door there. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, where? Where there's this massive door-shaped thing on the wall. Oh, and, dear. And yeah. I can't fathom how... These people are visually impaired. Yeah. They didn't see the huge tomb. And then they're in a room where there's literally three doors. This, I and think, they don't see any of them. This, I think, is a thing where the writer would have written it with a certain thing in mind. And the poor set designer has been given like a week to knock something up that will do it. And, and then, rather than changing the script... To reflect the fact that it, it's not going to look that way on screen. They just, We're just doggedly in. stick with the original <laughs> script. And it's clearly obvious that, you know, this kind of thing happens all the time. And it's part of because of the sausage factory nature of how the show was made yeah. back then. They basically, they were working about two weeks ahead of what was on being broadcast. So, the Doctor, I don't know whether we've mentioned it. Basically, he just wanted to get involved as soon as he found out the Cybermen. Ah, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, he was uh, before that. He would have been like, "Let's just get back at the yeah, TARDIS. This, this is boring. This is rubbish." But yeah, um, he hears the word Cyberman and he's like, "Ah, right. We we need to stick around and, and see where this goes because we don't want any rum goings on." Um, and so obviously, even if you've not seen it before, you know this is in the first Cyberman story. They've got yeah. previous. So the Doctor is able to open these doors. Yeah. And Klieg is unhappy that the Doctor was able to work it out and Klieg couldn't. Yeah, he's kind of stealing his thunder. Klieg thinks of himself as like this master logician, this this super genius. Yeah, is he part of a group called something like the Heroes of Magic? A uh, uh, logic, I think. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, he's basically oh, part that's it, of... The Brotherhood of Magicians. Ah, right, yeah. So he thinks of himself as this kind of super genius effectively yeah. and all of a sudden an actual super genius is, is swanning in and stealing his thunder whilst being in, in a way, way that you, I think you, you'll see more of as these episodes go on one of the defining features of the second Doctor is that he plays the buffoon a bit mm-hmm. he, he's quite sort of he seems more scatterbrained and, and, and distant than he actually is um, well, there is there is a bit in here, isn't there, where I think it's later on where Cleeg's fumbling with the levers and the Doctor sort of shiftily turns his back and just presses a button yeah. that does everything Cleeg's yeah. trying to... Yeah, yeah. So when the doors open, yes. this is where it starts to get confusing because everyone goes in different directions. Yeah, <laughs> so, but yeah I, I think they even say... Um, the professor, Professor Perry, is, is like, right. Well, you lot can form this party, and we'll form this party, and and and, and the D and D player in me is just screaming, "Don't split the never party!" Never split the party. So <laughs> Victoria goes with Kaftan, yeah, and someone called Viner, who I don't think's. Oh yeah, he's a little sort of slightly weaselly, um, not weaselly, but he's like sort of a. Quite a shrimpy, cowardly sort yeah. of... I think he's just another scientist, another archaeologist and along for the ride. They basically discover a room where they believe Cybermen will be revitalised. Yes, it's a sort of revitalisation chamber. Victoria gets trapped in like a sarcophagus type <sighs> yes. box. Yeah. And in the other room, Jamie and Hayden find a Cybermat. Yes. What the uh. fuck are they? <laughs> Like a big robot woodlouse. Yeah, yeah, basically. You've, you've you know, nailed it first but time. what purpose did they serve? I thought they would be, like, almost like face huggers, and they would inject yeah. Cybermen into people, but no, they're just there. They sort I mean, they sort of shuffle about quite slowly, yeah. and make a very loud, annoying whoop, 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 whoop. Until they noise. die, yeah. where it tragically yeah. slows down to a whimper. Yeah, I, it's not the first time yeah. they've done that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, well, okay. The thing without the Cybermats, right? Is I think the idea is that they're sort of like these little scout, like almost like scouting things, like disposable mm. 
tools of the Cybermen, effectively. We are seeing the budgetary limitations in their design. Yeah. They look like the kind of thing that would not make it through the first round of an episode of Robot Wars. They're, they're just made of, like, yoghurt pots and tinfoil. <laughs> so, <laughs> whilst that's going on, yeah. the, this is where the Doctor tricks Kleeg into thinking he's cleverer than he is. Yeah. Whilst the Doctor presses the button to open this hatch, it restores power to the base. Yeah. In the other room with Victoria and Kaftan. Yeah. Victoria climbs into the sarcophagus, which is yeah. ill-advised. Yeah. Kaftan operates some levers yeah. that traps Victoria. We presume intentionally. Yeah. She has when, a shifty look about her. But when Viner asks her, she's yeah. like, oh, I didn't do anything. Yeah. In a way so, that makes you think she definitely did. Yeah. So, like, already you're like, she's a wrong one. Yeah, there's there's no ambiguity there, really, is there? No, like, there's no, a, no, no. They're not like trying to play the long game with you. It's just like, yeah, no, she's a baddie. So Viner runs off to get the doctor yeah. to try and save Victoria. Yep. And Hayden, who is with Jamie. Yeah. And I didn't really understand this bit. I'll they, try and explain it. They, but I, you they know. pull some levers. Yeah. A wall gets like a pattern on it. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, like a hypnotic. Yeah, almost like a pattern. kaleidoscope. Yeah, and um, sort of puts Jamie into a bit of a trance. Yeah, yeah, but that's about it. But then is that when the gun thing comes out from behind? Yes. So once the doctor's yeah. rescued Victoria, he yeah. goes to Jamie, and like a gun has appeared. Yeah, but not a handgun, like a laser cannon type. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we get the first sighting of a Cyberman. So yeah. epi- episode one closes with the first time we see a Cyberman. Yeah. Old but... Cybermen yeah. are rubbish, aren't they? Aren't they? <laughs> They're in like reflective bodysuits with like. It's almost like the Wizard of Oz Tin Man. It's got like yeah. a funnel stuck on its head. And the, they... um, the original. Because these aren't. Uh... This is already, I think, the second or third redesign of the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. It's not actually the first um, version of them. I'm just going to... I'm quickly Googling Mondasian Cyberman. The original Mondasian Cybermen are actually amongst my favourite designs. All right, this is a bit photoshopped, this version, but I'll, I'll quickly show you, show you this. So this is the original Mondasian Cybermen. That's like it's a cre- slipknot mask. Yeah, it's creepy though, isn't it? With the sort of yeah. mask and, and, and the bulky thing. So I think they're actually quite effective, especially when you see them in motion on screen. The Tomb of the Cyberman, they are a definite downgrade. Definitely. They they and do look really cheap and, 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 and flappy. I don't think and... we're at that point in the series. Yeah. But should we just talk about their voices? They're quite difficult to understand. In a similar like yeah. Tom Hardy Bane way. Yeah. They're uh, extremely one note. They never modulate their voices well, it's at almost all. As if... and, and it's through, and it's basically like someone's. You know, when you like get a big piece of tracing paper and a comb. Well, I thought it was similar to, you know, people who maybe have damage to their voice box uh, have one yes, of those yeah. voice modulators that yeah. you compress to your throat. Same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's raspy, and it's. Uh, monotone and yes it is very hard to make out what they're saying half the time not the worst um uh, uh, not the, the the least intelligible alien robot voices we hear on doctor who uh, mm-hmm. that that would probably go to me either to the mechanoids or the quarks right. um you i might play you a clip of them if one day but yeah. but yeah we'll they are in, they are impossible to understand so, episode two begins with viner yeah just absolutely losing his shit at the sight of a Cyberman. He goes to pieces very quickly. Like, but it's it's almost like pantomime yeah. <laughs> screaming. And I have to say, mate, you signed up for an archaeological mission to find the tomb of the Cybermen. Yeah. What did you expect you were going to see if not some fucking Cybermen? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So they, the Doctor basically works out that the Cyberman isn't real. Yeah. It's just a model. The Cybermen have been gone for 500 years. The yeah. reason it's there is they were testing the gun. Yeah. On it's, its, like, effectiveness. it's like a shooting range, basically. Yeah. Um, and Victoria finds a Cyberman. Doctor says, yeah. leave it alone. But yeah. she doesn't. Mm. Now, 
We then have like <laughs> this bit's really weird. So they decide they're going to abandon the expedition. Yeah. At this point, now my character, well, not my favourite character, but Hopper, who's yeah. constantly telling everyone to go to the ship, <laughs> yeah, works out that the fuel pumps are wrecked. Yes. And I don't know if you picked up on this, yeah. but he fucks his lines up here. Um, I don't, I don't specifically remember, but he, that, that he is set, a phenomenon. He, he like goes the first guy to set, set, set foot on my ship, <laughs> and just uh, yeah. I know you've said in the past they yeah. couldn't edit it as yeah. brilliantly as no, they should. They can't. But that stands out. There's yeah. one later where the the doctor fucks his line. Yeah, up. no, that does happen. He says, yeah. "Oh, this is uh, conveniently labelled loft <laughs> uh, logic." <laughs> Just yeah. To be fair, uh, Troughton doesn't do it as often as uh, Hartnell did. Really, it, the Hart, later Hartnell episodes are rife with them, absolutely rife. Um, but you'll be pleased to know, Third Doctor onwards, they discover actual editing. Good, good. This is this is the, this is the last time you'll be watching episodes in black and white and with minimal editing. Because some of the conversations are like one shot and go on for ages yeah. and. Yeah. After, after that first time they mess it up, I think it's Victoria talking to Kaftan. Yeah. And I was like, Victoria deserves a medal for getting through this. Yeah. Because it's one long shot. Yeah. And it's, it's, it'd it's just be easier. Just, just make a little cut. Yeah. Go to a different camera angle. Couldn't do it. Doesn't happen. Couldn't do it. Doesn't they just didn't have, the, didn't have the resources or the time to do it. Um, but yeah, so from when we get into the 70s, it starts to feel like more like actual TV. Great. I can't wait. Yeah. So, following this, they decide, since they need to wait for the ship to be repaired. Yeah. The implication being as well that this is sabotage. Yes, yes. Yeah. And we know yeah. that it was Toberman. Yes. Probably did it with his bare hands because he's so yeah. strong. He is a strong man, so, isn't he? He's a strong, <laughs> silent man. So they w- basically decide yeah. that they're going to go down this little... Hatch a they, hatch yeah, yeah. Opened, yeah and when they get down there this is when it's cold and they just talk about anoraks <laughs> like, there is a lot of anoraks it's like we need to get anoraks <laughs> put your anorak on i've got, oh, I've got so these anoraks cold. from the I ship need, i need my anorak <laughs> and it just goes on and on uh, so, eventually everyone gets an anorak and they warm up a bit i mean it's chilly down there we know, we know that because they needed anoraks and obviously because <laughs> women are so futile. <laughs> they are, they're frail. They're, left they're frail little creatures, aren't so, they? So, Victoria... We can't, we can't risk the, the women going down. No. no. Victoria and Kaftan are sort of left up the top. Uh, to talk about knitting or something, presumably. Yeah. Lady things. So, yeah. Kaftan drugs Victoria. Yeah. She's knocked out. Yeah. And Kaftan closes the hatch. Yeah. Sort of trapping everyone below. Yeah. Except for... Quig sort of works out the best way to open the hatch. It's probably the big control panel <laughs> next to the hatch yeah and when they're down there he starts messing about and the Cybermen return to life yes so can we describe a little bit the the titular tomb of the Cybermen because yeah. I do think it's an interesting piece of design and it has become quite iconic so you have got um, they say it's almost like a honeycomb structure it's like this big wall of like individual chambers, uh, like coated in a film of sort of plastic. Mm. Um, did, did you notice when the Cyberman breaks out of it, he yeah. gets like stuck in the plastic? <laughs> yeah. And it, it's like, you know, they the stormtrooper that bumps yeah. his head. It's like that. He's like flailing yeah. at it. Yeah. And he just realizes he can't get through yeah. it the way he wants to. He has yeah. to duck right down. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, had one, they had one take. They didn't have spare plastic sheets. They couldn't set that. They didn't have time to set that up and do that again. They had one take. I mean, later on in the series, they use those same shots and, and just reverse the footage. Yeah, every um, time <laughs> someone gets out of one. Yeah, it's it's the same footage. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then in, uh, on the bottom row, you've got this central piece that's like dark coloured. It's not the same sort of plasticky thing, and it's got the big Cyberman hieroglyphic. And yes. that's, a, that's a, a theme that we've seen elsewhere. I think it's on the doors, it's on uh, uh, in the yeah. entrance of the tomb and things like that. And I, sh- I really like the design of the sort of Cyberman head in hieroglyphic form. That's a lovely what, little bit of design. What did you think 
of the design of the Cyber Commander. The controller, yes. yes. I hate it. it. It's worse than the normal ones. Isn't it, it is. He's, it is. He looks rubbish. He's got yeah, like. He's a bit taller, but. And he's got like a big Homer Simpson head. It's like a cone head. And it's like slightly it got, like, pointy at the end. Veins on it, yeah. so it looks like a brain. Yeah, it's but, weird. But it's obviously made of fiberglass. And he has like a sliding hatch for a mouth. Yeah. And every time he speaks, it, it opens and then it closes. closes. He's bad. He looks rubbish. Yeah, it's really bad. I, uh, well, apart from anything else, they already know at the point. The iconic thing of the Cybermen, right? It's the it's the the, the circular eyes, the the you know the sort of square mouth, and those iconic uh, handles on the yes. head. He's got no handles. No, not a proper Cyberman. He's no got, handles. Yeah, it, I hate it. I like, don't like it. Yeah, but uh, and it's especially annoying that he comes out of that hatch. That's got the hieroglyphic with the handles on, and he doesn't have. Where's his handles? Doesn't yeah. feel right. Anyway, so yeah, so the cyber controller comes out. He's basically the only one who talks. He he does all the negotiating for the Cyberman for the rest of the yeah. story. So and is this where Cleek starts to tries to bargain with them? He does. So they they sort of say you will be like us, mm-hmm. and when they well, say, that's oh, the end of episode two, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It kind of ends on that moment. You will be like us. Yeah. So, just before episode two ends, back at the top, Victoria yeah. wakes up, asks Kaftan what's going on. Kaftan pulls a gun on her. Yeah. Just as you do when you try yeah. to be covert evil. <laughs> and the cyber map that Victoria took earlier yeah. just attacks Kaftan. Yeah. Doesn't really have any purpose for doing that. No. And Victoria then shoots it. So, yeah. she's able to take Kaftan's gun. Yeah. Okay, and then she leaves to go get Hopper. Yeah. Okay. Fair dues. So that's the end of episode, episode two. two. Yeah. So. So at this point, we're halfway through. We've actually finally got Cyber. It's taken nearly half the, uh, the, the the total story's running time to get to a point of actual Cybermen yeah. that talk and move. Yeah. How are you feeling saying, at this I, point? At this point, it could be distilled. Just make it more sure. brief. But. But having said that, what you've seen, are you enjoying? Are you engaged at all, or is it just, or is it just wearing you down with the pacing? Sort of both, but neither at the same <laughs> time. Like, why did they have that big scene with Jamie looking at a wall? Why did they have that big scene where okay. they all just put their coats on? Yeah, right. You know how this uh, this story is um, four parts long. And mm. each part has to be 25 minutes. Yeah, but that's the reason. Just make it two 25 minutes. And no, because they'd have to hire other writers. You'd have to come up with other ideas. And they'd have to build extra sets because presumably it's going to be set on a different place. And so that's... They needed four episodes set in the same sets. Just... Unforgivable. Written by the same <laughs> writers. That's what they could afford to do. You're lucky it's a four-parter and not a six-parter. <laughs> six <laughs> Right. Episode three opens with the Cybermen recognizing the Doctor. Yeah. Okay. So, prior invasion attempts. Yeah. And him thwarting them. Yeah. And the Doctor works out that it's an elaborate trap that someone was always going to wake up the Cybermen. It yeah. Was... They've they've kind of left it as bait almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit like Impossible Planet. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. I, there are obvious, there are definite parallels here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of the reverse. Rather than wanting to keep things trapped, the Cybermen have dis, like designed this so they'll be released. Yeah. Okay. When the time is right. So Hopper comes back to Victoria. Yep. And he's just got a new person with him, Jim. Yeah, just one of the generic American space guys. Yeah. This is where it gets confusing. Yeah. Because. I can't keep up with who's <laughs> Right? Kaftan isn't as injured as she first seems, but yeah. she pretends she is. Yeah. Okay? And below... She's so sly. She's so sneaky, that one. Yeah. Really, really high-level villain stuff. And like, I, pretending to be knocked out. I like that <laughs> in a bid to open the hatch, Hopper and Jim, rather than just trying all the levers, just take it apart and follow where the wires go. Yeah. 
it's actually intelligent, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but it it also highlights how low budget the set is yeah. at the same time. Yeah, I guess it it doesn't look great. Yeah. And obviously, this is like pre-modern technology, so there's no circuit boards or anything. It, it just literally is loads of wires. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the Cybermen down below basically tell everyone they're going to be converted into Cybermen. Yeah. Klieg will be first. Yeah. Now, he seems to think he's going to be their leader. He does. He has this kind of... He's motivated by pure Power. ego yeah. and hubris. Like, he is so convinced of his own superiority that he... Presumably, he's read up on the Cybermen. He knows yeah. what they're like. He knows their deal. But he still thinks he can just revive the Cybermen and be like, hey, guys, do you want me to be your new leader? And we can just take over the world. I need your, your brute strength, basically, your power. Mm. You need my my book smarts. Let's make a deal. Yeah. Uh, forgetting, of course, that Cybermen just want to convert everyone into Cybermen. And that's exactly, so, the, 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 that's the tension they, they find So here. the Cybermen say, basically, yeah. we need Klieg, we're going to freeze everyone else. Yeah. Until Hopper shows up. Yeah. Just with loads of smoke bombs. Yeah. Like. Why did they pack smoke bombs for this mission? Yeah. And plus, he calls them smoke bombs. Yeah. I assume they'd be smoke grenades, but they are smoke bombs. Yeah. They go off with a massive, like, yeah. bang and a flash. And. This is the big action set piece for this for the uh, yeah for the story here really and basically again there's just loads of smoke but it's enough that everyone can just run away yeah and it's kind of pandemonium I think there's this is where we hear the first time we hear the sort of the Cybermen with that sort of weird distortion they've got they're just kind of wordlessly groaning and it's one of the weirdest horriblest noises you'll ever hear this sort of like is it, is it in amongst all this chaos yeah. where one of them just zaps Jamie I think so something he, zaps Jamie he like yeah. runs away yeah and he basically stands in front of things where there's only one way Cybermen can approach him yeah and they just file through and yeah. get him basically yeah so, after that, Toberman gets told by the cyber controller he'll be converted because yeah. he's so strong. And the party get back to the main control room and manage to close the hatch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, down below then, I think it closes on a Cyberman, doesn't it? The hatch. He's yes. trying to escape and it managed to stop him. So below, the Cybermen just make more Cybermans. I think they make yeah. three. Yeah. As if that's going to be enough to like... We know <laughs> they they're not bulletproof. More, we have a, they have a lot more confidence in Cyberman technology yeah. than, uh, than we do at this point. Yeah. So, the Cyberman model that was being used for target practice before, yeah. Klieg manages to take its weapon... Well, it's the, no, it's the gun that was aiming, that was aiming at, at, it, at it. Sorry, which I think he talked. He later refers to as an X-ray gun. Yeah, yeah, bit weird. Knowledge of X-ray is obviously yeah. not that strong back then. Yeah, so it's an X-ray laser. Yeah, those seem like just different things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not yeah. a scientist. Until I overcome that, he just goes, "This is my cyber gun." <laughs> I mean, fair enough. It is a cyber gun. Okay, yeah. and he says basically he's going to kill the Doctor first because he's a threat uh-huh. but also is there an implication that would appease the Cybermen because obviously the Doctor destroyed their home yeah planet. they'd probably be happy with that yeah okay and the episode ends with the Doctor disabling the Cybermen so he basically toys around with electronics now it doesn't say it because they probably yeah. didn't know about this but it's basically an EMP he makes he makes yeah, a magnetic so. field yeah. that shuts them down yeah so this was EMP pre EMP yeah pretty much okay so the final shot of episode 3 is Klieg shoots the doctor oh yes yeah so we know obviously that would have been a fatal shot we'll be seeing the doctor regenerate into John Pertwee yeah. in the final part but in true <laughs> <laughs> this goes all the way back to where. What are we in now? The sixties, seventies. We're in the sixties. Yeah. The sixties. 
So this yeah, is 66, 50, 67, maybe. What are we in? Nearly 60 years of this bullshit. Only 68. Sorry, yeah, 68. Anyway, okay, so what's that? 50 years? Yeah, 50 yeah. years, yeah. 50 years of cliffhangers just meaning nothing in Doctor Who. Yeah. Because it turns out he didn't even shoot the Doctor. Callum took the bullet for him. Yeah. Well, Callum the ray gun. Callum who... Have we mentioned him up until this point? Oh, we have. No, he's, he, he's just He's there. just a red shirt, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, so Cleek isn't phased by this. He says no. he's still going to negotiate with the Cybermen. Uh-huh. Okay. And Kaftan says that he's better off not killing the party because they can be used, experimented on by the Cybermen. Yeah. And this is the point where I feel like this is the first time in a while we've seen Cleek and Kaftan together, isn't it? Yeah, since probably episode one. Yeah, they've been and separated. I feel like this is the point where she she basically goes full Lady Macbeth on him. Yes, as if yeah. he wasn't already kind of like mad, power hungry enough. She is there whispering in his ear, like basically telling him now's his chance. Yeah, to see his power. So he then calls for the cyber controller, who resurfaces with Toberman. Yeah, who's sort of under his. Thrall now? Yeah, he's been... I think he's been... Has he have they done something with his arm, maybe? I to can't like remember. Partially cyberise him? So... I think they have, because I think he's got like a cyber arm at this point, because he's like, they wrap him in a big blanket, so it's kind of hidden. Yes. Yeah. So, Cleek basically says, if you return Toberman, we'll let you into the sarcophagus to revitalise yourself. I think the cyber commander's running low on energy. Yeah. Okay. And in fact... He runs out of energy before he gets there. Yeah. So, good news is the doctor's there to help him. Yeah. But he, <laughs> he doesn't help him. He yeah. traps him inside the sarcophagus. Yeah, it's a good plan, I feel like. This like, this is one of the first times we've seen the doctor kind of coming at things from a uh, from a, a bit of an unusual angle, coming up with a different solution to the problem. Because I, I yeah. like the point where once he's in the sarcophagus... Yeah. Jamie's like, oh, I'll tie him in. Yeah. And then yeah. he immediately bursts out and the doctor's like, remind me to teach you how to tie knots, Jamie. And <laughs> yeah. it's like so sm- yeah. like smarmy. It's, yeah. it's actually a pretty good joke. I yeah, think. it is. It's great. And if you like that, that that in a nutshell is the Jamie doctor. Right, that's doctor the dynamic. dynamic. Um, yeah, it's, it's a joy. It's an absolute joy. Because he's, he's basically just... The Jamie is like the Doctor's naive, unruly nephew. Right. <laughs> you know, it's 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 adorable. But yeah, um, so the, the Doctor's plan was basically to just trap him in the revitalization chamber. Obviously, he doesn't want him to actually be revitalized, but he can just close the door, and that's how, and and he just says, "Look, would you rather the Cyberman was in there?" Or out here, yes. Yeah. Um, which was a great plan until the point, uh, as we say, that the cyberman, the cyber controller, then just breaks out of it uh, because of uh, Jamie's poor not so tying. He then, so the cyber controller then communicates with Toberman. Yes, who, telepathically. Yeah. In some pretty astonishing special effects for the time, I'd for say. where they got some some wobbly lines overlaid yeah. on the screen. And Toberman knocks out Cleek. Yep. The cyber controller then grabs the cyber gun and just in cold blood just murders Kaftan. Yeah. Okay. Now, that seems to break the spell on Toberman. So... Yes, uh, the Doctor appeals to Toberman's humanity. Yes. And yeah. basically says to him, look, you're not like them, you're, you're still a human. But Every time we've seen the Cyberman, that's how you win, isn't it? Yes. There's just that little bit of humanity left. Exactly. Yes, and uh, and for an episode where I feel like it doesn't, it doesn't go in depth into the thing that I find most interesting about the Cyberman, which is the fact that they are underneath the robotics, they are human. Because um, I don't th- know whether that's mentioned at all here. Other I don't than think it is. other than we can convert humans yeah. into new Cybermen. Yeah. No. It's there is a lot of assumed knowledge with this not being the first Cyberman story. Unusually, because a lot of classic who they, they they don't write it with the assumption that everyone's watched everything because yeah there were no videos or the, you know TV was different back then but yeah um, so I it, it is interesting to see them still tapping into that thing of like hold on to your humanity and you can resist being upgraded 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Toberman then picks up the cyber controller and just throws him into yeah. some electrical Which panel. Which I do love. I like, I, we've, we've touched on how Toberman as a character is poorly served and it's a bit of a, an un, un, uneasy archetype um, through modern eyes. But watching a big burly bloke lobbing a Cyberman into yeah. control, it's fun. Yeah. That is just entertaining. So, before it's destroyed, the Cyber Controller basically signalled to all the other Cybermen that shit's about to go down. Yeah. So, Jamie just blasts them. <laughs> yep. So, to make sure that they are all dead, Toberman goes with the Doctor. The Doctor basically says, now's your time to avenge Kaftan's death. Yeah. But, that whilst they're going down there, Clegg comes back round, goes down as well. Yeah. See, see how this is confusing? Like, people yeah. are knocked out, then yeah, they're yeah, away, yeah. and they're exactly. dead. I mean, like, Jamie is shot, and then I honestly don't know how he's fine afterwards. Yeah. In like, because he's shot in like episode two, and then you're just wandering it's around just like okay. nothing's happened. So, in the tomb, Toberman tries to destroy them, but the doctor says, don't, we'll just trap them here forever. Yeah. Then, Cleave again says he's going to become the new controller yes. to the doctor. Yeah. And, and this is where we get another interesting second doctor moment. In that, rather than just immediately shouting that down, the doctor plays along. For yeah. a minute, and kind of says to Cleek, like, "Yes, yeah, you know, you could be, you could be ruler of the world, couldn't you? A man with your power and your mind." Uh, and and Cleek then just in in just pure ego doesn't for a second question the Doctor's motives. Was like, "Yes, yes, I could." And Haha, thank you for finally seeing my my way of thinking. Um, and the Doctor concludes, "Right, well, thanks for that. Now I know you're mad." Yeah, which <laughs> yeah. is. Great. Again, I feel like you're really getting a sense of Patrick Troughton's take on the Doctor there. But that sort of behaviour echoes through to later Doctors, I think. It does. I, I, I would say the second Doctor is the point at which a lot of the core aspects of the character going forward are really established. Because I, this is a lot closer to modern Doctor Who than... Definitely. Cratchity old first doctor. Yes, yeah, because he is more of a willing adventurer mm. in a way that the, the first doctor kind of just wants to be left alone most yeah. of the time. Um, he is a bit more good humoured, um, he's a bit more eccentric, um, and yeah, he, he is he's more, more of a central character and more of a heroic figure basically. Um, there is a very famous uh, quote, and I'm struggling now to remember which story it comes from, and I'm going to mangle it, but the essential gist of it is like um, him saying to one of his companions, there are certain evils in out in the universe and they must be fought. Okay. Now that is different to the agenda of the first Doctor, where the, the first Doctor was just like, let's just survive and get out of this. That's really his motivation in most of his stories. Right. It doesn't go beyond that. Whereas the second option is the first to really start to be like, no, we need to actively resist. Um, and that's why, I mean, example, that's why he stays on Telos. Yes. It's because, because he hears the word Cybermen, he's like, oh, I've encountered these guys before. These are not good. We don't want Cybermen coming back into this world, um, you know, causing mayhem. So, yeah. Um, right. So whilst Klieg is basically bragging about how he's going to rule the world, yeah. a Cyberman just kills him. Yeah. <laughs> Unceremoniously. Yeah, and like, it's absolute nondescript. He just kills him. Yeah. And I kind of like that in a way. It's yeah. like, it feels like he, yeah, he's getting exactly what he deserved there. It's like, he, you know, yeah. he thought he could he could master these killing machines. But and they, and they were just like, nah. Just gonna get killed, mate. So Toberman then kills that Cyberman. Yeah. Who is trying to yeah. again revive all the other. Yeah. So the doctor then freezes them. Yes. And along with Jamie, yeah. goes back up 
yeah. at the top. We get we get to see that that footage of of them uh, breaking out of the plastic sheeting in reverse. In reverse. Uh, oh, I just took this popped into my head. Do you remember um, in the uh, series two finale how they had the sort of plastic sheeting up in the um, yes, and you saw the side men sort of breaking through. through. That was a conscious reference to this right. story. Oh, I never thought of that, but that makes a yeah. lot of sense. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, that yes. makes sense why there was just loads of random plastic sheeting yeah. in an office block. Yeah, I mean they they were trying to dress it up as like oh they've got some building works on, but that's not really how building works are normally no. conducted. So, anyway, <laughs> the doctor basically jerry rigs everything to electrocute anybody who wants to ever yeah. go back here. Yeah, and again, the cyber controller just reactivates even though we've seen it die. Yeah. And comes forward, but I suppose if it needed re-energizing, yeah, it just been stunned, an and it was maybe like just knitting itself back together a bit. Uh, so yeah, it's got one last hurrah, chases everyone around a bit. They, it's a little bit like in the Avengers where Iron Man's suit runs out of energy when he's fighting Thor, but Thor zaps him with lightning. And oh yeah, it goes. yeah, yeah. Okay, so they're trying to close the door. Yeah, and it's basically everyone trying to close it, but they can't. Yeah, until. Big old Toberman comes up. Yeah. And have you, have you ever seen Street Fighter the movie? I haven't, no. I'm not... I'm not Basically, the ending of this yeah. is reminiscent of Zangief from Street Fighter. I'll take your word for it. He holds open a door so everyone can escape because yeah. he's the only one strong enough. And yeah. this is where my mind went. Yeah. Well, I it's you could almost say... Uh, uh, I, I did some Game of Thrones spoilers last week. This is, this is some major Game of Thrones spoilers this week. Um... Also, maybe it's like a reverse Hodor. Yes. In some yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah. So he closes the door. Yeah. Which completes the circuit. Yeah. So both the cyber controller and Toberman are killed yeah. by this electrical power. Yeah. And basically, despite this being like quite a harrowing experience, like the Doctor, Jamie, Victoria are just like, see you later. Yeah. Time to go. Well, it's for them. I mean, certainly for the, for the Doctor and Jamie, it's kind of like business as usual. Victoria's new to it, but I feel like she was she was maybe shielded from a lot of the worst yeah. parts of so, going on. Um, and, but but meanwhile, poor Professor Parry is a broken man. Yeah, things he have not just, gone well for him. No, he 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 went into this expedition in good faith in the name of science and discovery. And has watched multiple people lose their lives as a result of this expedition. I only just thought, but yeah. obviously with the archaeological terms, yeah. this is really reminiscent of Jurassic Park, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You've actually. got like the financial backers who are yeah. the bad guys. You've got the guy who just wants to be there for discovery. Yeah. yeah. You know, Everyone's are... in it for their own reasons, but the end result is basically... We should never have revived yeah. these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's a very strong parallels, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, of, co- of course, visually, Tomb of the Cyberman, the Cybermen far superior to Jurassic Park. I, I think Jurassic Park still holds up. Was it nineteen ninety three? Jurassic Park. Was yeah, it yeah, no, it does. I, I was being targeted. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the episode ends. Jamie says to the Doctor, "Is this the end of the Cybermen?" The doctor says, "Don't know." Basically, yeah. It's like, oh, I can't predict anything. Yeah, it's just like, well, you can travel in time. Go see. And <laughs> then he can't be, he can't travel everywhere always and, and, and check for that. That's not the way it works, especially in these early days when we saw like he has very little say in where the TARDIS ends up. And as well as being totally blind, it turns yeah. out everyone's deaf because they can't hear the final cyber map. Sort of yeah, along whoop, the floor. Whoop, 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 does it go towards Toberman? Even though Maybe. he's dead. Yeah, I don't know. He's just it's sort of just, laid on the floor. It's just there as a little tease that it's probably not the last we've seen in the Cybermen. Obviously, it'll be the Cybermats. Yeah. Yeah. Let's Which see if were, they come back. Yeah, well, they, they were an invention for this story. And right. Do they come back? Spoiler. Do you want me to spoil that for you? Well, are we going to watch another old Cyberman story? I haven't decided yet. We might do. Ah, uh, go on. Yes or no? You might see Cybermats again in the future. Good. I look forward to it. Yeah. So 
So overall, I, I'd say I preferred the second Doctor to the first, but I probably overall enjoyed the rescue to this. Yeah. Okay, that's I, fair. I enjoyed this more than the pilot. Yeah. But. Is that an unearthly child? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed this more than that, but not the rescue. Okay, well, I think the, the thing with the rescue is it's a tight little two-parter. Um, yeah, it's concise. It's yeah. not boring. I, I'm really sorry. I've maybe, I may have spoiled you there in that mm. it's rare that you get tight little two-parters in Classic Who. No. It does tend to be four, six, sometimes as many as ten parts um, for a single story, and it just... Yeah, you're not wrong to say that you could maybe edit it down if you wanted a more concise version of the story, but they were. You have to keep in mind the way this yeah. was being made and what it was being made for. So you imagine just, if they put this out nowadays. What just as is? Yeah, if yeah. they were just like, if you were just watching Jodie Whittaker, <laughs> it was just like, you know, if it was exactly the same, but it was just Jodie Whittaker. Ah. Uh. I enjoy that. Mm. But, 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 look, the part of the thing that fascinates me about Doctor Who is how you can see the programme develop over time mm -hmm. as tastes change, as new technologies develop. Um, like, you see, it, uh, Doctor Who is often an early adopter, comparatively, of um, new innovations in technology and filmmaking and stuff, and well, television making. Um, like for example, two thousand and five. How many shows would were even attempting big CGI monsters and things like that? Mm. Not many. Do Doctor Who has always been pushing at the boundaries because it has the scope to tell stories that nothing else can, no other show can tell, and its writers are only really limited by their imagination, and they always want to push it that little bit further than. than what's really available which is why it can date badly which is why things can look ropey in hindsight but that's just part of the charm i do think as a as a script two of the cybermen has its problems for sure i think there are too many characters there are some muddled moments but the strength of some of the performances really pull it through and i love the atmosphere of it we've not really talked about the music much i love the music it's so doomy and, and and it just has this vibe to it and i love the mix of the, you, you you've got like ancient technology so yes. it's um, a bit like we i i ran a little uh, for our D, D group i ran that little campaign for a couple of weeks just uh, dipping our toes into a setting that i like called numenera mm -hmm. which is um all about this kind of it's set in a, in a world where civilizations have come and gone and you've got these little remnants of uh, like previous civilizations technology and it's almost like magic and i get that flavor from this story so um, in closing i want to ask you a question yeah okay now i'm going to turn things on their head okay it's a big question okay and it's where we'll end today okay trouton or hartnell Okay, if we've been ranking modern series, let's rank old doctors. You see, Hartnell was the first. He was first, the worst, second, the best, as far as I'm concerned. Troughton. Yeah, heavy heart. I've got a gun to my head. It's Troughton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He because he has this this vitality to his performance this and i love the way that he will often like he has this nervous energy and then he will sort of shrink to the back and let things unfold for a bit and then just kind of swoop in and be like oh no don't mind me i'm just going to go over here and quietly save everyone and then off we go oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't mean to do that you know it's like he has this kind of energy like he i think that my head canon is that he is basically, he doesn't want to let on how smart he is. He would rather people um, assume that he's a bit of a bumbling idiot because that makes it easier for him to manipulate situations. Right. Um, 
Which is an interesting contrast from um, the Tenth Doctor, who has no qualms about people thinking he's the smartest man in the room. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but uh, as we said, Second Doctor, I think, is where the Doctor starts to get doctory. Right. Um, we call time there. Yeah, why not? Sorry, as as ever with these, as I say, God, these these classic episodes are so indulgent. It's basically just me, just whittering effusively yeah. for an hour. I hope it's not been too boring for the for the listeners. Um, thank you as ever for listening and for you indulging me as well, listener. Uh, until then, until next week when we will be discussing uh the Runaway Bride. Yes. The uh, Christmas special before we get stuck into series three proper with uh, our little. I'm not spoiling to say one-off uh, companion of Catherine Tate. So yeah, until then, thanks very much for listening. Cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.